and welcome. I'm Adrienne Barbeau, actress, author, and star of The Fog, Creepshow, and Swamp Thing. And this is She Kills, a Shudder original podcast where we sit down and discuss all of the things we love about the genre that has given women some of the most iconic roles in film history. Witches, covens, and the dark arts, oh my. Whether we're crying into the camera in search of the Blair Witch, cowering from the wrath of Asia Vadya in Black Sunday, or wishing we could be BFFs with Elaine the Love Witch, women harnessing the awesome power of the dark arts have excited and entranced us on screen for decades. And recent features like The Witch and the remake of Suspiria show that witchcraft is back with a bang and with a juicy feminist twist. When time came for me to write the third novel in my Vampires of Hollywood series, I relied heavily on witchcraft to further the plot. When your female lead is a vampire movie star appearing at a horror convention in New Orleans, well, you've just got to throw in a little hoodoo, a little voodoo, and a dash of Santeria. We brought in host, writer, and horror fan Clark Wolf to talk with Alex Esso, brilliant writer and actress who plays a hopeful young starlet who sells her soul for fame in starry eyes, to discuss the power and beguiling nature of our favorite horror witches. Oh, uh, hi, my name is Alex Esso. I'm an actor uh, and film enthusiast and witch enthusiast as well, witches have always been a big part of my life. Love the whole theme of, uh, you know, ultimate power. <laughs> Who doesn't like that, am I right? <laughs> I do, I certainly do. Uh, my name is Clark Wolf. I am an actress and a host, and uh, I've been a horror fan since I was really little, and some of the movies that we might be talking about today, um, like The Witches, uh, scared me as a child very, very, very young. Um, but the interest was always there and grew. And um, and yeah, I'm really excited that I get to be a part of this conversation in particular. Today we're discussing the fascinating topic of women practicing witchcraft and why we're moving away from the classic stereotype of a witch within this genre. The favorite movie is One so hard. Because oh there are so many. I and mean, they're all so different. I, I will say, for me, the one that sticks out the most, and I'm sure throughout this conversation, oh, yeah. like there, I'll be like, oh, I want to change. I want to <laughs> change it. But the one that stands out to me the most is The Witches of Eastwick. Um, and uh, I truly love that movie. And I have loved that movie through so many different phases of my life, whether I was a teenage girl, uh, when I was in college, as a more adult woman. Um, the movie, and, and listen, I know that John Updike is is problematic, and that's fine, uh, but I am not necessarily talking about the novel. The novel I found yeah. to be really thick and hard to get through. The movie, though, is, is truly, to me, a representation of uh, women at their most interesting. These women are funny, they're strong, they're mean, they're uh, they're trying to figure it all yeah. out, they're mothers, they're single, they're married, they're working, they're not, they're artists. Um, the, the, it really runs the gambit, and, and I feel like uh, the introduction of the Daryl Van Horn character is such a beautiful foil and brings out so much anxiety about women, you know, and, and obviously we're using the metaphor of the witch, 
but but Daryl specifically because they conjure the perfect man for romance uh, and for partnership and companionship and all the things that Daryl laments about these women that we look at through the guise of witchcraft it's because they're women. And um, I could talk about that movie. I, I think it's actually really underappreciated, that movie, and the mm-hmm. way and how it has. It's It actually kind of breaks my heart that that movie's 30 years old, and so much of that movie is 100... It, it's still... It could be made today. It could be released today. That version of this story could be released today, and it would be... We I wouldn't have missed it. a beat. Yeah, it yeah. would have been just as poignant. One thing I find interesting about The Witches of Eastwick is this idea that there's one man that all three of them are drawn to mm-hmm. and that easily could have been their undoing. Mm-hmm. And I like that they flip the script because, I mean, it's, it's, it's very much an allegory for real life, too. Women turn on each other over men all the time and it's pretty much never worth it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but no, they like it. If anything, it, it's something that makes them band together because they actually recognize the real root of the evil in their lives, mm-hmm. you know. And then, and then, and I mean, he's essentially the devil. I mean, it's my, you he know, he is the devil. And yeah, they for sure. defeat the devil, the three of them. I mean, you can't get more gangster than that, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, there's a, the reason I have my phone out is because I actually copied, screen grabbed the monologue that oh, Daryl gives um, at the end of the movie in the church, uh, oh, yeah. saying I have a women problem. And <laughs> and it is some, it is such incredible sure writing. Like it's, uh, it's such incredible writing. Um, and uh, But it's also so perfectly performed because Jack Nicholson, the actor, clearly understands the point of what he's saying. Mm-hmm. The the choice to set it in a church uh, during Sunday, Sunday service is so pointed and obvious. And and it's just like some of the some of the language that he actually uses in the monologue is just it's devastating it makes it almost makes me cry when i when i see it because it's just you know something that that i have thought about a lot in the last couple of years is is how we 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 do have a women problem and how there's a lot of hatred um and and i think that's why we're seeing this resurgence now but that monologue in particular um is just to me some of the best like i i feel like it should be analyzed in in school and and more people need to find the witches of eastwick because not only is jack nicholson great but those three women are giving incredible yep. and complex yep. performances. Yeah, well, I mean, there's three women at the top of their game. Yes. They were like the three it girls of the time. Yeah. Just so perfect. Call it nature. <laughs> so what do you think? Women, a mistake? Or did he do it to us on purpose? Because I really want to know. Because if it's a mistake, maybe we could do something about it. Find a cure. Invent a vaccine. Build up our immune systems. (laughs) Get a little exercise. (laughs) You know. 20 push-ups a day, and you never have to be afflicted with women ever again! (laughs) I mean, the craft was a big 
I mean, it just is. There's lots of like obscure movies about witches that I love, but I mean, the craft was the is the nexus of most of this stuff. I wanted to be Feruza Balk when I was in high school. <laughs> like, it was just that my friends and I had our own little coven that we had, and like, yeah, I love the craft. It's super cool. And again, it's like this. It, it it examines the relationships that women have with each other. That's really the the most important part of that movie, which I think is very. Mm-hmm important you know I mean it's really nice to have the witches be their own thing with their own social dynamic and their own problems instead of like making it about who they're cursing or who's fighting them or something like that it's I don't know and it's a beautiful movie. I mean, the imagery is incredible. Mm-hmm. So uh, one movie I definitely want to touch on is Practical Magic, because that is an example of a widely successful mainstream movie about witches that paints them in a good light, that they are um, it, all, all, all of the good qualities of witches, because there is that element, too, um, that, uh, you know, th- that that more pagan side where it's just people women who are in touch with the natural world and in touch with each other and they have that really positive community and they help each other and it's really it's really nice i think to remember that there are those stories about witches that do come from a place of love and respect and sisterhood which is the central theme of most witch stories is the sisterhood that they share with each other which is one of the reasons witches appeal to me so much is that sense of community and mystery i always thought the scariest part about witches to to anybody was the fact that they have a uh, dominion and control over the abyss i mean they have the key to the unknown uh, and they have the ability to manipulate the natural world, which is terrifying to anybody. I mean, it's terrifying to me, which is why I'm so mesmerized by it. It's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's that that's I don't know. That's that that's what I think is the real draw of witches and what scares them. I mean, also, most dudes I know are super into witches. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. To- well, they, they're they bewitching. They're like the ultimate fantasy in a way when you think about it. Like this extremely powerful, knowledgeable woman who is uh, not giving away the secret. I mean, they're very drawn to that, I would say. It's interesting, too, because when I think about, like, culturally, uh, we're, we're in the midst of a witch moment. But um, but the way that witches are usually depicted physically, they're very ugly or they're beautiful. But I think that the idea that, you know, we have this stereotypical idea of, like, the old crone and she's hunched over and she's scary looking and she's deformed or she's terrifying. And it's like, you know, to me, it's not that far of a leap to go, oh, yeah, well, if you're... You you know, let's put the idea in in the uh, in the in the world's head that to be powerful, to be strong, you have to compromise what you your your appearance, right? Like you be so, you're so much less attractive to uh, to a certain type of man 
uh, if you are strong and authoritative. So so I feel like storytelling wise, it's kind of like branding Santa. You know how like Santa was the Coca-Cola Santa was like not the definitive Santa, but now that's what we think of of Santa because Coca-Cola branded it. And I feel like, you know, whether it's the Wicked Witch of the West or whether it's the Grand High Witch and the Witches or, yeah. you know, and so on and so forth, like it, like it's it's this it's this association almost of if you are powerful and if you have ability that we can't understand, mm-hmm. then you will be found unattractive by a society or cast out by a society. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would there is kind of the flip side of that as well, though, where a very powerful witch is is devastatingly beautiful. Right. And like incredibly overwhelmingly gorgeous. Like, I mean, Sigourney Weaver, when she's possessed, becomes this like ultimate sexual fantasy. And in then a lot of ways. when the Which switch is, happens, though, because yeah. it's like well, usually it's switch, tied to a bait and like, switch. Yeah, sometimes for sure, like in The Witch or uh, Snow White, stuff like that. Um, but on the uh, on the flip side of that, I mean, even in The Wizard of Oz, you have Glenda the Good Witch, who's beautiful right. and positive and, and all of that. And I there's mean, the line in The Wizard of Oz, though, yeah. oh, only, oh, only bad witches are ugly. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's and very it's, antiquated. I mean, yeah, and and and, but For you're sure. right. Like, there, the the no. physical beauty is yeah. absolutely the inviting, and beauty is its own power as well. Its own power to wield. I mean, people. It's happened to me before. Just been like, oh, like just completely under someone's spell because they're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Girl or guy? I'm just like, oh yeah, I'll just wander into traffic really quick just because you asked me to. I'll just be right back. Like, it's not, you know. I mean, there's that. That's also something that is so terrifying. I think is the that lack of control yeah. that someone has around a witch. You could be manipulated without even realizing. Like, have you guys seen the new Suspiria? Yes. Oh my god. Yes. So no spoilers, but I mean the ability to manipulate a person's reality is—I mean that's giving me goosebumps just thinking about it. It's, that that was a that was a really really uh, I, I'm really interested in anger lately. Uh, because, who isn't? Am because I, right? I have a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> and and on on the on the list of people who should be angry, I feel like I'm not. I'm at the bottom, but like I'm still very angry. <laughs> uh, and and I I really enjoyed watching the new Suspiria because um, like and and I also really enjoyed watching it with men mm-hmm. uh, because d- during a lot of the physical. Scenes, they I could hear them wincing. I could hear them gasping. I could hear or them crossing their legs. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could just yeah, <laughs> like I could. They were so uncomfortable with with to me what is an extreme depiction of what it's like to be a woman who functions, um, like the things that you put your body through and the things you put your emotional self through and your relationships and all of that. Except it's very heightened. But the the um, and I won't say no spoilers, but. There is a scene towards the end of the new Suspiria that is just anger and bloodshed. Mm-hmm. And and it's but what I loved was that I felt like these women all earned the right to treat each other that way. And they are choosing to treat each mm-hmm. other in whatever way, good or bad. Yeah. Uh and um and they earned the right to be angry with the other women, to be angry with each other, like to to take that. It just was very satisfying for me. Absolutely, like, it was really fun. Yeah, 
and another beautiful movie too. Oh, it's really gorgeous. gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, just and you can really see. I mean, I, I saw a Q and A with the director in the cast when I wet the dome. And he was saying that uh, Rainier Fassbender was a really big influence on him for this movie. And you can see that in sort of like the editing and the color palette and some of the like sort of sustained shots. Not that this has anything to do with like women and men or anything like that. But I just thought that was really cool about the movie. Like that made the movie very strong to me. The sort of subdued palette and yes. the, the lingering shots on the women. Um but again, it's it's it, another movie that explores that interesting dynamic between women, that they deceive each other and manipulate each other and pick sides and turn on each other. And I love that Tilda Swinton played an old man. That I do too. blew my mind. It was so good. It was, was so great. good. Yeah. yeah. And I loved those, like, those parallel storylines. Like, yeah. it's, I don't know, there's something really cool about that to me. I mean, when you are dealing with the genre of witches, there's so much to explore historically, uh, just in your own fantasies. I mean, once magic is on the table, there's, there, there's no, the sky is the limit. I mean, there's eight Harry Potter movies, mm-hmm. and each movie has different spells in it. Like, that's what's so much fun about it. I don't know, witches are the best. Yeah. I feel like if you created in a non-magical environment, a type of woman who was uh, in tune with her physicality, who used her physicality to its fullest extent, who used her brain to its full ex- extent, who used her confidence, who used her power, that character in a straight drama would be really hard for a lot of audiences to to swallow but because and and this is to me the whole the thing that's so interesting about genre is we we're telling human stories through genre through horror science fiction fantasy but we're doing it through metaphor mm-hmm. most of the time so you know what the witch stands in for i think is it's more palatable to an audience to suspend their reality and sort of go okay i can go along with all of this and it's a, i think it's a Personally, I think it's a shame. I think it's really sad. And one of the things that I love about some of these movies that sort of they leave it on the table if there's magic involved or not. You know, like I feel like The Witch is a good example of was this uh, inevitable or was this a self-fulfilling prophecy because of culture and family dynamic um, and isolation? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, obviously we see a handful of magical supernatural moments, but how much of those moments actually influenced? Um, so I love the idea, you know, as an as an audience member, as a creator, as a storyteller, of of being able to to do the whole spectrum of like this is a witch, like you know Samantha Stevens who can just go and like something you know <laughs> operates or appears or this is a woman who feels her strength and is there magic involved you can decide for yourself yeah. you know like everything in between is so is so interesting and i wish that there were characters that we could get away with sustaining complex powerful characters that were not in a supernatural setting. And I don't know how much of that we can do now. I don't know. Well, and this is another thing that I love about witches is that, I mean, like even though the sort of popular mythology of the witch grew out of Christianity because they're supposed to be the daughters of Satan and whatever, I mean, just the, 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 the witch herself flies in the face of all of that. The witch has no respect for Christianity or blind faith or any of that. I mean, it's there's something so 
ancient and all-knowing about it. That's really cool. I mean, like in The Witch, the family didn't stand a chance. They were sitting ducks in the middle of the woods because of their their own pious arrogance that put them there in the first place. They thought they knew the will of God better than anybody else, and they paid the ultimate price for it, which I think makes kind of a cool statement about blind faith as well. And there and and you witches are a great tool to make statements about stuff like that, about the folly of thinking that you know better, that you know what the answers are. I think yeah. also like something that's always been interesting to me is biologically uh, um, for for the it's the idea that uh, some women can create life inside of them mm-hmm. uh, is terrifying to especially to men. You know, obviously it takes uh, two to tango. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are there are certain biological things that need to happen in order to grow life. Right? For sure, yeah. Um, but we're the incubators, th- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 the idea that that power, in theory, is controlled by a being that has their own mind, Mm -hmm. their own heart, their own feelings. Um, It's also an experience that men could never have. They'll, they'll right. never know what it feels like. Yes, and yeah. the the idea that you know the that the i the um the power inside of these witches as they are you know explored um, on on film and in television and in pop culture to me it's a direct correlation. Like to me it's it's the number one thing of like you can create life, therefore we have to control you. Right. Um, instead of you controlling. You. Totally. Just uh, a very Christian idea. Yeah. Well, religious idea, let's yeah. be fair. <laughs> it spans all the religions, basically. Yeah. But no, it's true. I actually, Christopher Hitchens has said that in his mind, the only real solution or cure for poverty is to give women dominion over their own reproductive mm-hmm. systems. Very simple idea, yet one that is embraced by... Very few countries. Very few. I mean, it's it's an idea that's very frowned upon because... When you have that much power, like you say, I mean, it's very intimidating. As women who create and craft these roles in horror films, we asked Alex and Clark their thoughts on classic tropes and how useful they can be in storytelling. I mean, I think tropes and archetypes have just always been a useful tool of storytelling for a really long time. I mean, it was a very uh, easy single-dimensional way of saying a character went from point A to point B and these are the characters they met along the way. And it's very... I don't know. I I already use this word, but it is a very antiquated way of telling a story. And it's one that's very easy to fall back on uh, for lazy writers. (laughs) So... So I think now, because people demand more and their standards are higher, people are... forcing themselves to challenge those tropes and challenge those archetypes like with Get Out. I mean, that was just such a breath of fresh air (laughs) watching that. And Jordan coming from a comedy background and being a a fan himself and and also looking at the Rosemary's Babies and the Stepford Wives Mm -hmm. and the idea of these, these movies that have come before that were focusing on, like, social... 
a social thriller essentially and and an oppression of a group but doing it through that genre lens but i think mm-hmm. that having someone like jordan not only as a african american man as a mixed race man uh but with a comedy background and being a fan it's like you get this you get a fresh take on something that like only jordan peele could have told that story that way but that story we're all telling similar stories right over and over and over again and yeah. that's not by i want to be really clear i'm not discrediting like anything that jordan peele no, did no, 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 no. I, I, mean, I think he elevated it yeah. and and you know like i think about james wan all the time the conjuring is i love the conjuring I love that first movie. I think that first movie is perfect. Mm-hmm. But at its core, it is a haunted house movie. Yeah. And James but with a James Wan flair, with his take on it. And you know, so I think I think when you're playing with tropes, uh they work because they work as storytelling devices. Mm-hmm. But I think that when you have people who are coming and elevating those tropes and putting new spins on them or still like uh, working within the confines of those things, but sort of breaking out of them at the same time, it's like that rule of like you have to understand the rules to break them, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. And so I, th- I think that's why some people fall into the trap of the trope. But mm-hmm. then other people, and it's way harder to do, subvert or or break or elevate those idea those tropes. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because one thing we haven't touched on, or one one movie that we haven't touched on, is is Rosemary's Baby, uh, or we haven't touched on it very much. Um, but I bring it up specifically because um, that book just turned fifty years old. Uh, it it is. I mean, wait, 67, 70, 80, 90, 2000. Yeah, fifty. So that I. I was listening to the novel, which is very close to the to the movie. Um, and I was listening to the novel, and it hit me: this book is fifty, and nothing has changed, uh, with with a few a few exceptions of like how much they're paying in rent in New York City, right? <laughs> <laughs> that being like comical. But as I so I say that to say, when we're looking forward, so many of these stories, when you look back are still relevant, are still playing. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really interesting thing to think about for me, the idea of, wow, we haven't even settled this yet. So going forward, though, I do think there are women who've been given a voice um, that are still fighting to find that voice but, but and be a part of that conversation right now. But over the last handful of years, those voices are getting louder and louder and louder. And I think what we're going to see going forward is uh, a lot of women or a lot of witches uh, who who are not here for it, <laughs> who who are not only out for uh, they're 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 reclaiming their time. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, it's like it's like this is my fucking time. But we think we're going to see a lot of a lot of violence on screen uh, and I'm certainly ready for it. I think that's true. I think women centric, especially horror movies are going to get start getting a lot more violent. I mean, look Which at Hereditary, you know, without without spoiling anything, I suppose. And and I don't even I don't even know how I feel about Hereditary. And I think I've seen the movie two or three times now and I've analyzed it a lot. And I still yeah. don't know. But <laughs> the violence and the, that is on display and is unflinching mm-hmm. um, in that movie, I think, is a signal for things to come. I mean, not to bring it up again, but 
the the type of violence in Suspiria too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very creative, very different yeah. way of portraying that, and not a ton of blood. Right. There is was a direct <sighs> question that was asking about something that I thought the modern version. Oh yeah. Well, it was witch hunts. So the idea of a witch hunt is a group of people come together and say, you are this, and you can say all day, every day, no, I'm not, and I can prove it, and they go, doesn't matter, we've decided. That's what a witch would say. <laughs> exactly, right? <Yeah. laughs> and so the, the idea that we are, that gaslighting is a term that people use now and people are aware of what it means, I think that's sort of the moving the witch hunt metaphor forward because it's it's essentially the same thing. Yeah. Um, it's being, and, and we, when I bring up Halloween 2018, I think we're talking about, you know, yeah, Lori is saying like, this is a thing, this happened. You can't tell me that it didn't happen. Mm. You have to believe me. Uh, and and lo and behold, I, she was right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So so we are. I think we are going to see more of those stories. I just hope that for mainstream audiences, like and mainstream production companies, because that was ultimately like where one of the questions was: Is it because the men are creating? Men are creating the content, and um, and I think that it it is in a lot of ways. Import, important to remember that men are controlling a lot of narrative. Um, for instance, like if you look at movie reviews, this is something that has been talked about. You know, people are starting to talk about it more. There, the the amount of critics. I'm sure Gray Drake could weigh in on this a lot. But the idea that women are so under and women of color. I mean, even more. But women are so underrepresented when it comes to informing one's opinion about media. And when I've seen a handful of negative reviews of Suspiria, let's say, mm-hmm. and granted, look, I, you can like a movie or not like a movie, totally fine. But there, and, and I won't say who it is, but there's one person in particular that I know personally who was like, hated Suspiria, hated it, thought it was awful. And I'm like, well, you don't understand women. And Did they like the original Suspiria? I mean, probably not. I don't know. But but the idea that I, to answer that, your question is like, I think that there are a lot of men who still hold the power of influence, whether it is at an executive level or right, a creative level, a journalistic level. And that's something that you know, I think we being aware of is important. And I think I think continuing to find allies to what you were saying totally. earlier. Like, yeah. I think. And creating content. Mm-hmm. The most important thing when it comes to that is being the creator of the content and having that content be good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Too. And supporting quality content. You know, I mean, there's this idea. I heard someone saying that, like. They didn't care if something was good or not as long as the right person made it. And I'm like, but isn't that kind of defeating the whole purpose? Don't we want to be taken seriously? You can't do that if you start playing favorites. It's this very thing that we've accused other people of doing. Creating content is important, you know, but that, that's really it. If you, he who holds the conch says the stuff, It's a direct quote from the Lord of of the Flies. I'm working on this thing. Uh, It's sort of a portrait of a like textbook female psychopath, Mm. not a horror movie. Mm -hmm. It's a drama. Mm -hmm. It's like very meditative and it's meant to be like 
as realistic as humanly possible. Yeah, that I'm very excited about. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like, if I can get my shit together, that'll be a dream come true for sure. Nice. Yeah. I am developing an idea that does involve witches uh, for a series. Uh, For series, um, it's like House of Cards with witches. Uh, So I think that there is a lot... This project, uh, which is currently called Burnt Church, um, is... uh, is a really really fun one but it's and and it talks about everything we talked about from power to manipulation to belief to um to and everything in between i love the title thank you so good yeah it's it's based on a legend in georgia actually uh where i'm from and uh it there's i I, listen amc i'll pitch it to you (laughs) if you're listening before we go i would love to just return to rosemary's baby for a second because i think it's really valuable to our bigger witchy woman conversation recently i was a part of like a top 10 list you know they were trying to come up with the top 10 greatest horror movies and and it it was maybe half women, half men, but uh, I really was pushing for Rosemary's Baby um, because the older I get, the more that movie scares me less about the devil and more about the the fact that her husband sells her out and bargains oh, her body. Like, all of that stuff is just so up, truly upsetting. Yeah. But I had a couple of people be like, yeah, I don't think it's that scary. And I'm like, yeah, well, you're not... <laughs> You it's know, emotionally and, scary. And it's like it's like empathy, yeah, right? Like be, actually absolutely. being able to put yourself in, in someone else's shoes. And so I would just say uh when it comes to when it comes to that movie in particular, um and its depiction of witches and power and fe- you know, Rosemary, I think it's because Mia Farrow is so slight in her physical being. Oh, so frail. She is. And and we don't think of her as empowered and strong, but the whole movie, she is reading books. She is making phone calls. She is breaking out. She is investigating. She is putting, like, she is saying, yes, she is making these changes. She is saying, I'm throwing a party. Like, I, Rosemary Woodhouse is a beautiful character. And um, that movie is terrifying. It's not even... It's not even her her weakness that's her undoing. It's her goodness and her kindness, you know, which are very good qualities. I mean, ones that should be encouraged, I think. But it's that's what's really heartbreaking about it is that she loves her husband so much and she trusts him so much and she wants to be a good neighbor so much that it would never occur to her. And why would it? that her husband would betray her to a coven of witches. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> and, that's such an ex- extreme example, And set of her course. up to be raped by the devil. And Yeah, it's, and, if you go back and rewatch Rosemary's Baby, it's fun to imagine when Guy makes the decision. Mm, yeah. Um, that's, there's a lot going on in that movie, and, yeah. but I, I think it is applicable to what we're talking about because it is uh, very much about the female the power of some women to be able to create life and how valuable that is to certain people and also belief and faith and gaslighting and it's it's everything and having that power taken away from you and you know i mean the, the power to create life i mean to 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 be used in such a way is the all I mean, like you say, it is almost worse than being inseminated by Satan. It's, it's much worse that you are totally I mean, that's what makes that dream sequence so brilliant and terrifying is how just not in the moment she is at all. It's yeah. like, 
Oh, yeah, it really breaks my heart. Well, Alex, I'm so glad that we got a chance to, like, actually sit down and talk. I am, too. It was really nice talking to you yeah. for more than, like, two seconds yes, at a wedding. at a party <laughs> yeah. or in, in passing at some yeah, place. Yeah, totally. This was a real treat, so It really thank was. You. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I had a really good time. Me, too. Yeah! <laughs> thank you, Alex and Clark, for a bewitching conversation. I'm Adrienne Barbeau, and this has been She Kills, a Shudder original podcast, executive produced by Blair Bercy, Killian Van Rensler, Jordana Freyberg, and Deborah Henderson, hosted by Adrienne Barbeau, associate produced by Nancy Himmel, supervising producer Cara Frias, featuring interviews with Alex Esso and Clark Wolf, sound recording design and mixing by Iceman Audio. Production sound mixing and re-recording mixing by Evan Menick. Supervising sound editing and re-recording mixing by Michael Capuano. Composed by Doug Bossy. Music by I Spy Music. Production manager, Kay Tinder. Production legal, Jordan Rock. Production accounting, Stephen D. Smith. For Shudder, Owen Shiflett, Robin Jones, and Nicholas Lazo. She Kills. The characters and events depicted in this podcast are fictional. Any similarity to any actual person living or dead, or to any actual events, firms, places, and institutions or other entities, is coincidental and unintentional. This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries, and its unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability and criminal prosecution. Country of first publication, United States of America. She Kills. Copyright 2018. Digital Store, LLC. All rights reserved.